Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so on a week where the Vardy party well and truly took off, and I was part of it for once, uh, we're about to discuss FPL as we trundle into the final international break of 2019. I'm joined today as ever by Nick, uh, fresh from uh, having a burger at lunchtime today as well, so a rare occasion where I see you twice in one day. Uh, you are right, mate? How are you? Yeah, not bad, thank you. Lucky you. Um, yeah, all good here, just uh, busy as always, family times, uh, Work times, FPL times, standard life. <laughs> um, just to say, we are we are who got assist. You can find us on Twitter at wgt underscore FPL or at wgt underscore Nick, and you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, as you are well aware. So, um, what are we talking about on this week's pod? So yeah, this week it's uh, all about bandwagons a little bit. It's all about herd mentality. It's all about form. Lots of things we've touched on in the past. Um, as part of the question or part of the bit we've been doing, we even, even used to do infographics on bandwagons, Nick. Remember those? Um, but I don't think we've ever gone the whole hog on it and made it a subject of the pod. So time for that to change and for us to talk about bandwagons, our memories, and uh, how FPL managers should, uh, sh- to, should navigate them when they come up. A, a scenario where the bandwagon seems to be uh, rampant uh, every season, so definitely worth talking about. And then, of course, to the features, uh, answer some questions from the community, um, loads of those this week again. So thanks for much yeah, players. brilliant. Um, sounds good. Tom, shall we start then with the game week reviews? And I know you've been waiting a long time for a good game week and you've had a two in a row, haven't you? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I've put together a couple of uh, pretty decent performances because I, I think throughout the start of the season, I've been kind of following the, the Nick route of being quite chilled out with my team and not being as proactive, trying to trust in the players. And the last two weeks, I've taken two hits in a row. And I've gotten two 80-plus scores from doing so. Um, I've shaved a million off my rank, um, which has been very, very good. Now up to a much more respectable-looking 398k, which depressingly is actually about 170k of how I, where I finished last year. Um, but yeah, this week, again, um, 80 points. Uh, Jamie Vardy came in alongside Yuri Tillemont uh, for a minus four um, and both did the business. Uh, those who left... Um, Sterling and Mope both blanked as well which is quite good um, and elsewhere the, the team was just littered with players who were returning um, up front the, the VAJ <laughs> I was about to say it again um, all scored um, Mane in midfield uh, Tiedemann got an assist um, which is very very good and a nice swing on that uh, transfer in Nick Pope at the back nine points and uh, yeah my brilliant Mendy signing uh, came through again uh, just because it meant I got Soyuncu off the bench yet again so Soyuncu has given me 22 points in two game weeks both times off the bench um, so maybe I might give him a run out but yeah Mendy has been one of those random signings that's actually enabled a, a lucky uh, a lucky upturn in my fortune so yeah I don't know what I've done to please the FKL gods but taking a long view I'm hoping this keeps going <laughs> who knows uh, how about you Nick you're still doing pretty well a solid but unspectacular I think is probably a good way of describing yeah, it so far I've been Mr Consistency haven't I this season so uh, it's just been every every single game week has been like how was your game week Nick yeah it was, it was all right you know small green small reds I, I never seem to have like a, a mega game week or a really poor game week but it's actually been reflecting it um, quite well in my overall rank and um, just that consistent uh, performances so yeah I'm about 
190k overall at the moment, uh, 63 points. And it was a bit of a surprise in Green Arrow. Um, wasn't really expecting it, to be honest. And looking at the mini leagues, for instance, like the Who Got the Assist mini league, our Slack league, you know, I'm, I'm dropping in rank overall, which is um, an indication of how well the community's actually done this game week. But yeah, I didn't have Jamie Fardy. Um, I was trolled once again uh, by Soyon Su on the bench. And whilst Rico, who I played this time, trolled me on the pitch. Unfortunately, so um, been a bit, a little bit unlucky. I know you like to call me the the lucky one, Tom, but <laughs> I don't really feel like I have been in the last game, couple of game weeks. But yeah, returns from like some Madison, who's who's kind of covering Jamie Vardy to a certain extent, and Mane, who's obviously really good, and Jimenez, Tamori, and uh, Captain Tammy as well. Um, so decent, um, sixty three, so all right, and small green for me. Yeah, it's, it's all right. I think after the first goal um, went in, well, the, after the goal went in for Tammy, lots of us Vardy captains were thinking, oh, you know, we, I take a goal from Vardy, an 89 pointer. So kind of the, the late goal, I think it was, you said at lunchtime, until kind of 70 minutes, you were you were feeling pretty confident that you made the right, right pick to, to shun Vardy. But that kind of one-two punch of the goal and the assist for Vardy um, after that, uh, downing my club Arsenal, um, seemed to really make the difference in your game week uh, it would have been quite a, a much bigger green arrow for you I imagine if that hadn't have happened but god I'm very glad it did with uh, my captaincy being on Vardy right uh, and uh, speaking of Vardy um, I think uh, you know the last few weeks to move on to the main topic we've gone through a few things like we spoke about differentials we've spoken about season long holds sorry Raheem and uh, key cheapies but I think this week uh, we're going to turn the focus a little bit on managers themselves and talk about bandwagons in FPL we'll of course talk about players and team specific stuff and the questions later but you know bandwagons are hoy Nick um, this week's pretty notable like there was a lot of Vardy discussion wasn't there the pros and the cons about him obviously it could have gone either way in, on the day but lots of good discussion about this anyway principally because there's an ongoing intention source of debate whenever a bandwagon sort of crops up and Nick there have been quite a few this year haven't there in terms of bandwagons uh, the good and the bad yeah certainly I think um, starting with Jamie Vardy I think he's, he's sort of the classic case of a player that's sort of you know really grown in stature it's a bit of a slow burner I think actually with his uh, his bandwagon it sort of really picked up though when he got the, that uh, I think it was 20 point return um, a couple of game weeks ago and, and since then the, the managers have been flooded in I mean, when we get onto market forces um, you'll see Vardy leading the line um, again but we've seen other players like uh, Timu Puki um, who's been a bit of a bit of a poorer bandwagon the sort of Manchester United players in game week one after they demolished Chelsea 4-0 you know that really didn't set the tone for the season at all for either club um, and, um, you know, so Pookie, I think, and maybe even Callum Wilson um, in recent weeks, uh, five blanks in a row. He was a bit of a bandwagon, wasn't he? We were all, we were all looking at um, where we both brought Wilson in and uh, both got rid of him quite quickly, actually. But, yeah, a few bad bandwagons, but then there's some good ones. Obviously, John Lundstrand, what, what a bandwagon he's been, what, what a star he's been. And he's, he's one that no one really expected at the start of the season. Of course, uh, official FPL certainly didn't expect it, pricing <laughs> no. him as a 4.0 million defender. But, you know, these, these players just sort of come out of the woodwork, don't they? And just suddenly emerge. And there's definitely been a season uh, for emerging players, like some Mountain Tammy, Abraham as well, coming up from the championship and, and getting first-team uh, you know, game time at Chelsea and, and really delivering in terms of the points. I mean, Abraham had 115,000 managers in game week one, for instance, and now has over 3.5 million, which is over half the game now. Owning him. He's the most owned player. Yeah, he is. And uh, John Nunstrand's actually second, <laughs> which is a... Uh... 
really crazy, really. Um, uh, we've spoken about him enough at 41.2% owned. Uh, but yeah, the likes of Wilson are making me cringe there. Good riddance to him. And of course, bandwagons, yeah, it might be the whole season. It might be uh, just a kind of a time in a season. So, you know, guys of season past who have had the time of their lives during those seasons. Uh, the first bandwagon, I remember, Nick, Aaron Ramsey, 2013-14. Do you remember him? Did you own him? Yeah, of course I remember Aaron Ramsey. Uh, yeah, he really um, did boss it, didn't he, um, that season? Yeah, he, so he went from 5.5 to 7.6 that season. Absolute uh, revelation. Uh, he scored 146 points from just 23 appearances. Uh, I think he got injured kind of around game week 18, 19. But he scored a brace. And I looked up the date of the brace against Sunderland. It was actually Mesa Oetzel's debut um, on game week four of that season. So yeah, quite a long time ago now. Uh, Riyad Mahrez, uh, 5.5. He rose all the way 7.2 by the end of that season. 240 goals. That's 2015-16. And of course, Mo Salah, Nick. Uh, one of your favourite uh, ever years, uh, 9.0, um, the year that I, that I sold him in game week two and brought him back by game week four. Uh, but yeah, temple, he rose from 9 million to 10.6 million. So quite a few kind of positive bandwagons there. I guess the, the thing to talk about here, though, is the impact this has on managers and how kind of it gets perceived whenever a bandwagon sort of crops up. You tend to see loads of different sort of... Um, reactions to it and i think the first thing to talk about is kind of herd mentality and fear and um, like as long noted herd mentality gets a really bad rep this is something i've written and written about and um, spoken about in the past in this very podcast um i think actually herd mentality ain't bad at all it's the twin urge of fear and greed so i think you know cave person you sees food brought back to the cave they want to get involved why they like they're fear they're fearful of dying through starvation and they're greedy they want to live another day and pass on their genes in fpl this means fear and um, you're scared that others are getting points you aren't and you're greedy you want those points for yourself like fear i think is particularly looked down upon as a reason to make decisions Remember Neil Murray on the Unwritten Rules pod, Nick, rejected this, didn't he, as a basis uh, for, uh, for for a choice. But I actually don't think it's a bad thing. Like I said at the top that like the last two weeks I've done pretty well. And I think that's just been based on fear. Okay, there's circumstantial evidence. But at the start of those weeks, I thought, okay, who am I afraid of not owning? And can I get them? And I've gone with it. And it's given me real traction. So Mane versus Villa on a hit in game week 11. Vardy on a hit in game week 12. Of course, sometimes you can jump on a player when the boat is gone. So think like Felipe Anderson, late comes last season. Um, but I often think the fear, that fear is a healthy thing. Something, call it your gut or whatever, is driving you to make a choice, I think. Do you think that fear is something that really kind of keys into your way of playing, Nick? So I remember like last week, you weren't too keen on Vardy, the, the immediate bandwagon. How much do you weigh fear? Are you, are you ever scared of players or do you trust what you've got uh, is going to be enough? I think it's um, it can be challenging. I think sometimes you can look at players and think, OK, what's their ownership? How badly is it going to impact my overall rank if they score? And, and you know, have I got sufficient cover for those two players? And, and this, this game week, I did have a little bit of fear for a change because I'd, I'd opted to, to bench John Lundstrom and just hearing about him hitting the post and all these opportunities that he was uh, presented throughout the game just, just, just made me really nervous. And, uh, and same with Jamie Vardy. I watched, um, I watched most of that game and I saw like, you know, opportunity after opportunity. It, it, was, quite, it was quite challenging viewing, um, knowing that so many had not only owned him, but also captained him. And just like, this could be like, this could have like a crucifying impact on my on my rank but you know yeah last week I did opt to, to not get him in I 
decided to burn my transfer in the end, which um, was a bit um, radical almost to, to just not even do anything at all with the transfer. But I didn't really see anything else to do. And I didn't want Vardy. I just, don't, just really don't like the guy. Just, but, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, I think... Um, I think I probably will transfer him in this game week. Um, just looking at the fixture, I mean, it's just, it just looks like I've, I've just got to bring him in. You know, I can, I'll keep Madison. Madison's actually doing very well himself, and uh, I'll probably double up. But yeah, it's like a sea of green on the um, the fixture tracker on on the official site and games like Villa and Watford and Norwich um, coming up as well. I think uh, you know there is that fear that if I, I can't go into like games. With Jack, without Jamie Vardy, we're seeing everyone captain him against Norwich and, and things like that. That's just, seems absolutely bonkers, doesn't it, Tom? Yeah, and you, you must be feeling a bit greedy as well. You must be seeing the points that a player in form, as Vardy seems to be, is a listing for his owners and thinking, yeah, I want a piece of that. Often, I think the herd goes a certain way for a reason. I think a lot of the time people do uh, disparage the herd and say, oh, you're, you're all a bunch of nimrods. Like, why are you getting on? Why are you being sheep? But beyond the distortion FPL Twitter gives you, much of the time, FPL is a game of following trends. Like we link that to the value discussion. It's all, it's all about following that value and following that overprice. So of course, you can profit from shining the herd. For example, two weeks ago, if you captain Tammy Abraham versus Watford away instead of the mass captain Sterling versus Southampton, you'd be quids in. Uh, but normally, actually, this isn't you know particularly bad. And bandwagons are really interesting because it's where risk and reward sort of collide, stick or twist. And um, FPL Secrets asks us here, Nick. What criteria would you outline when considering a bandwagon? So what kinds of things are you looking at when you're deciding uh, when you're going to get involved and when maybe you might let that one go? I know I remember kind of uh, from your past, uh, for example, you jumping on the Gundogan bandwagon a couple of seasons ago where he scored a couple of goals and got promptly got injured the next game. So, so yeah, I think, I think when I'm deciding whether to you know, jump on a player, I think you, know, you have to really kind of factor in so many different things. I don't think it's all about... Oh, is it a bandwagon? You know, am I going to go on this player just because other people are, are getting on him? Normally, I'm actually thinking the same things as other managers. I, I thought before, you know, there's been players that I thought, actually, he looks like a really good pick. No one owns him in FPL at the moment. You know, he looks like a real good differential pick. I bet I bet no one's for him. And then I look, probably look at the market forces and see that guy second in the charts or first in the charts. I think, actually, everyone seems to have the same thoughts forces me and I think with, with bandwagons in FPL you know we are we, we know that there's like um, hundreds of players in the database but the reality is you know our teams essentially consist of only about you know a, a party of 30 at the moment really there's sort of like our core teams are just very very similar it's choices between the likes of Vardy choices between the likes of Mane and Salah but the teams are pretty pretty damn similar and it's basically because you know, these are the players that are returning points and the ones that we're looking at are the ones that are returning points and occasionally there might be a player that's injured and we start to think actually always oh, replacement might be a great time to get on, for instance, if, um, you know, Mike's of Emerson has been injured before and suddenly people start talking about Alonso, for instance, and start thinking, oh, maybe we could get him in as a differential and then you think, actually, everyone seems to be now on Alonso. So you, you do see it occasionally sort of um, this sort of criteria, but I think in terms of when I'm going on a player, I have to really look at, you know, their status within the team, are they nailed on, their current form and, and their fixtures. And I think that's the, the sort of three, three elements that most people look at, really, when they're picking a player. Yeah, certainly. And I think the other one that I look at a little bit is ownership. I know to a lot of people that would be a bad thing, a lot of people don't look at it, but I really do. So, uh, you know, Vardy went from 9% to 30-something percent, and that really kind of elevated that sort of fear response in me. I need to, need to get this guy in, uh, was my was my thinking, and I just kind of couldn't see a world where he didn't score against us, which sounds really bad, but... Um, 
that that was nevertheless where I was. And I guess it underlines what it is with book bandwagons, isn't it? Because if you get it right, you're sitting pretty on points. And if you don't, it's often the red arrow. Now, I guess there are a few people who are very contrarian overall. Like, for example, our friend Eddie FPR Rhino says, uh, I want to bench Lundstram now because he's so well owned. But there are loads of reasons to not jump on the bandwagon, right, Nick? And for me, I think if people are jumping on a player and I think that it's been two weeks of anomalous kind of results. I think, I don't know, Dusan Tadic, four assists versus... Was it four assists? Dusan Tadic getting four assists against uh, Sunderland, I think it was. Everyone buying him and him proceeding to do nothing for the rest of the year. Like, What are the warning signs, I guess, then, that, that, that may put you off a player like that? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, sometimes you have to look at the uh, the player's form and actually think, oh, we got four assists in this game, but is this actually like... Is, is this typical for this player or is this just a one-off? And we see it often with the game week one bandwagons, for instance. I remember sort of like our first pod doing the market force. And it was all about Shaka and Gatsy and everyone was like, all oh, these players are good because they did well in, in one game week. But I think game week one bandwagons are always the most fun because no one's actually working off any data and the summer's quite long and you see players like Etienne Capoue as well, suddenly getting a few goals in a row. And you think, has, has suddenly Capoue become some sort of like amazing, you know, attacking midfielder that's going to bang 20 over the course of the season? And we saw it a little bit with Puki as well, that hat-trick. Everyone thought, oh, Puki's going to get, you know, 20 goals, 25 goals over the course of the season, just be a revelation. And sometimes it can happen with these players. Like you mentioned Ramsey, you mentioned Mares, And it wasn't really expected for these players to suddenly boom in the way they did but you know other other players very often sort of fall by the wayside and I think as you get on to this throughout the season this sort of bandwagons die off a little bit and become very more staged you know kind of like you'll see the same names being transferred in and out Salah and Mane and Sterling often at the top of the market forces on either side each week aren't they? Yeah, exactly. I guess with those sort of, with those sorts of things as well, like there are a few players that you're you're really hitching a ride on them to try to get some value. Like I remember a couple of seasons ago buying William one week, he got an assist, and I sold him the next week with 0.1 rise. Like it does happen every now and again where a player you you buy him and you just don't fancy him, and you just kind of think, yeah, I've, I've just got to get rid of this guy straight away. This is I think this is William 2016 something like that when he wasn't particularly great, a lot better now. Um, but I think we've we've all done it, we've all been there. Um, but I think. With bandwagons as well, it, it creates a it creates a bit of an interesting uh, tension because there are those who will say, like for example, FPL editor is, has said this week that he wants to keep, he's going to keep Sterling and Salah, and he's not going to get um, Vardy because he's made his bed and he's going to lie in it now. So I guess not going with bandwagons as well, Nick does it creates opportunity doesn't it like there's a time that you can profit through patience which i guess has been more your approach than normal as we saw this week like you didn't jump on vardy like i did is that just your own play style or just you didn't fancy vardy it sounds like you harbor some very deep uh, dislike for the guy well it's his behavior in casinos isn't it tom uh, <laughs> <laughs> you apologize to shinji and we're all cool <laughs> But no, I think it's just it's just a case of uh, nice guys finish last. I think a little bit with me and Vardy, you know. Um, I understand where sort of Craig editors coming from in that uh, particular respect. Sometimes you kind of like. So I know you've talked a little bit in the past about sunk cost um, fallacy, for instance. You know, some people we might have owned. So Timu Puki for six game weeks, you know, like, you know what, Pookie's, I've, I've owned Pookie through this time, you know, I'm, I'm going to get my reward and they'll, they'll just continue to hold him, hoping that he will get that reward and give him those points. Um, 
at the uh, the end of the game week or whatever. But you know, with, with certain players like Puka Vorchi, it hasn't worked out. But I think yeah, a little bit of sunk cost fallacy. You know, I haven't owned Vardy, so I'm, I'm waiting for that blank. And, and during that blank, I, I will be rewarded with the sort of the opposite effect. But sometimes I think with with that, you know, I'm, I'm quite anti that particular philosophy. I think with for myself, it's like okay, I've made a mistake, I'm not getting Vardy in, but I'm not gonna continue to punish myself because of that mistake I recognize that Vardy is likely to bang um, quite heavily over the next sort of five game weeks and, and more so than other members in my team even though my squad is is does feel very very strong you know it's, it's very hard to fit him in I'd have to sell either Sterling or De Bruyne it feels like it's an it's a necessary evil right now to be honest yeah, and I guess that's how bandwagon sort of become huge, isn't it? When everyone realizes, oh yeah, we need to sign this guy. And I think a lot of the time it's about that that mythical power that a few beings like uh, Mark Southerns have um, in, to spot these sorts of players a week, two weeks early. Like I think a, a, one decent example for myself, Vincent Jimmy uh, Jimenez. In the last two weeks, he's really made the difference for me, especially that, again, goal against Arsenal. It seems the backing uh, players against my own team is really uh, really coming to fruition for me here. But like owning those players just before everyone else jumps on is, is, is ideal, isn't it? Because you get the price rises, plus you get the points all to yourself. Like you know, Next week, loads of people are going to have Vardy who didn't have him this week. So I've only got 24 points. But for example, Orsamo, who brought him in as wildcard and got the uh, goals against Newcastle, plus the goals against uh, Southampton, absolutely rolling. It loads and loads of points that other players are not going to be able to make up uh, through owning Vardy. So I think we've done it in the past. You've seen the likes of um, Matt Doherty, for instance. We, I was very early on him when he when he was only like four point four million, and definitely reaped the rewards from him. I think that season as well, as you remember, another bandwagon was Stephen Wars. Tom and I got him in at four point five million, and all of a sudden he ended up being five point three million just from clean sheet after clean sheet for Burnley. If you remember that, that was quite. I a, do, yeah. I think quite, he, he got a random game. assist and he scored a random yeah. goal, didn't he? Yeah. He, he was just getting nine points, just lots of <laughs> nine pointers from from Wardy, and uh, yeah, you know that was quite a popular uh, sort of bandwagon. And then you know Mo Salah, of course, as well. It was very early on him. I think I just owned him from game week one, the last two seasons, and just absolutely bossed it for me. And then he became huge. Same with him, same with Robbo as well. So I think sometimes, you know, these players work out for you other times. They, they don't and you have to X with the exit. But I think we're always hunting for differentials. I certainly don't want to be um, thought of just, you know, being late to the party on, on all these players, even if it is the Pookie party or the Vardy party that I haven't necessarily attended. Yeah, I think the Pookie party definitely was a good example of when you kind of, are in that awkward moment between thinking, oh, has this ship sailed? Or should I? do I need to get this guy in as a shield? And oh God, did you get any returns from Boogie at all? Just a Manchester City game. <laughs> just just a City game. No, you did, at least you didn't bench him for that. Um, yeah, I mean, in retrospect, do you think that that was just fear guiding your decision sort of thing and you could have done something differently there or would you have done it every time? I can't remember how conflicted you were now. Well, no, I wasn't too conflicted. I think at the time, to be honest, it's like it's very similar to Vardy. You know, I had my cover. I had, Todd, um, I had cousin Todd and he was in quite early for my team, actually. So I got him in... Um, oh, yeah, I remember he really scored a goal for you on the stag, dude, didn't he? Getting, he? He, gave me a few, he got me a couple of returns. So he was doing all right for me. And then Madison, for instance, I think he... He's um, going up in the market forces, but he's got me three returns in a row now. So he's been doing very nicely for me. So it's kind of like, all right, if I'm not going to join these parties, I, I do look for other alternatives and, you know, hope that my front line or my two starting strikers 
do fire as well. And, you know, like Abraham's doing, been doing very well for me for a number of game weeks. So, you know, it's, it's been okay for me. But So I haven't been overly punished by, by not owning these players. I think Wilson was probably the, the worst decision I've made so far this season. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I think that was for me doing at, me doing a nick with your uh, with your uh, yeah, last Paris, time I took uh, advice from you, isn't it? Yeah, well, it was last time I took advice from you, I think. With welcome to put welcome to the Paris paradise, I never really materialised them. But you know, it, it's just uh, yeah, it's it is often very very hard to call, isn't it? And I, like sometimes with with these sorts of things, it brings out that sort of defensive side of people where they just have made a decision on a player and they're going to stick to it. And a lot of the time, they roll out all sorts of like defenses like I remember Anthony Martial last year overperforming he's overperforming you can't buy him and of course I bought him and he proceeds to blank but I mean that's also interesting as well because that links something called hot ham fallacy but that's the idea that form itself so think about like basketball scoring free throws the idea is that you get in the zone you can't miss and if you're in bad form you can miss and obviously it's the same in football like lots of psychologists in the past like um, Tversky Valone and Dan Kahneman himself um, have said this is a huge cognitive illusion that form doesn't exist um, but there's been recent stuff uh, Desperately Seeking Duzan sent me a good link earlier on actually of uh, Josh Miller um, who said that actually um, form does seem to exist and there does seem to be some uh, academic study which shows that uh, form is actually a thing and uh, why is this relevant to talk about now? One, uh, when you think about form, I, th- I think it does look like it. At the moment, I read for a couple of papers, didn't really understand the maths, but it does look like it does exist. And two, Anthony Martial is again coming in, Nick, as a emerging bandwagon. And uh, the Chiefs have said, get him in while he's hot. He's that sort of player. If he is that sort of player, Nick, are you interested in Martial? Do you think that that's uh, one you're going to be looking at? Or do you think the ship's already sailed on him and it's time to just kind of avoid him altogether? I'm personally thinking I'm just not interested. I don't I certainly it. think he's an option I, I would not say oh the ship's already sailed for him and um when he's uh fit again and obviously i mean i kind of um, i lean towards the idea that the hot hand fallacy does exist even i think you've seen it before with russ barkley hits these sort of patches <laughs> doesn't he and then never never did have that hot hand again um, michael drift, ricketts is my off, best um, example though yeah drifts off very very quickly and i think martial um he's certainly a player that needs to be considered and on our radar i mean uh, his price is relatively reasonable, and the United's fixtures are, you know, they're, all, they're pretty okay in, in the short term. I know Sheffield United is now a tough game and would have been considered an easy game at the start of the season, but it's probably one of the toughest um, games in the diary now. But um, with Martial, I think I certainly think he's an option. I would never like to rule him out, I've, you know, but at the moment he's, he's not really fitting into my team. I think um, getting Vardy is probably key for me right now, and. Um, you know, I could sell Mount perhaps, but Madison's certainly going to stay at the moment. Yeah, I think oh, it's, it's, it's one of those that my analysis of that particular bandwagon is that I, if I don't own him, it's not going to hurt me anywhere near as much as not owning Vardy was go, would have. So I think that I don't really feel fearful about that. And I don't really rate United very much. And I don't really like... Martial, I've had a lot of very bad experiences with owning him. Every time I've owned him, he's gotten injured or um, not performed when his teammates were performing. So I, mean, I bought him twice last year, and both times he blanked straight away or 
did not appear straight away. So I've got that kind of personal bias of him. I'm, I'm just not interested in him. Uh, so yeah, I guess it comes down to uh, if you've got a space in your team as well. I probably do, but I just, just don't like him. So yeah, there's, there's always going to be personal kind of uh, foibles involved, I suppose, in this sort of idea. I guess the reality is that there's no kind of hard and fast rule, is there, Nick? Like the proof of the pudding's in the eating when it comes to taking that sort of uh, that sort of move. Like it's a calculated decision. The shield is often to go with the wagon if if it does reach that critical mass. But before, I think there's definitely an element of trying to get it while it's hot. And by the time it gets to the point when you're buying basically a shield, it's it's not as exciting, is it? Like, I can't imagine you're too excited about the Vardy transfer. It's, it's not particularly exciting. It very much feels like a sort of a consolidation um, decision, a consolidation move. We saw we talked a little bit about the liquidity of them, our mini leagues. Uh, relatively recently was sort of the spreads of 80 points and 33 points and I was sort of Mr. Consistent getting a 60 every week week in week out whilst others were drifting between really good weeks and and really bad weeks and I I just don't want to I don't want that to happen to me I don't want to be in a situation where I've gone with um, Sterling or something as the captain and everyone gets another Vardy hat trick and and Sterling proceeds to, to get another one pointer and I was very lucky that game week because the rest of my team absolutely bossed it. But you know, I could have been unlucky, and um, I think with that, it's kind of it's, it's a bit more, a bit more of a consolidating move. Isn't it? It's very boring, probably now. It's probably the most boring thing I could even think to do with my team. Even more boring than sticking again. But I think it just has to be done. Just, just as a purely consolidation. You know, it's as he said, it's a herd mentality. I'm a little bit late to this party. I didn't particularly want to be a, um, a guest at the party either, but you know, it, it's uh, it's kind of just one of those things where it's kind of like I just would be missing out again. And uh, you know, I could I could be contrarian. I could take the gamble, the risk, and say, right, you know what, I'm going to be like Craig Edson and say, Madison's going to do the business for me. I've made my bed. Um, I'm going to lie on it, but I feel like it's um, could be too risky. Yeah, I, I think sometimes, even though there's always going to be some some kind of subjectivity involved, it's sometimes quite useful to stand back and be objective about what you're doing. I guess overall with the section there, my key message here is that herd mentality is not a bad thing. Yeah, not every bandwagon works, uh, but it's worth respecting. I remember a, a wise man once said, stay with the herd as the herd knows best. Um, uh, and I think that probably is true. Like, you should embrace the fear that it's trying to help you. Um, so yeah, as, as you can hear with Nick, it sounds like he'll be embracing that fear and buying in Vardy and maybe in the future, I mean, obviously all bandwagons are different, but maybe in the future this has helped you uh, think about them and uh, you will you'll be more able to meet the challenge of the bandwagon next time it rears its head. All right, let's take a break there and move on to the features. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and it's time to do do our feature sections, our weekly staple of things we speak about. It's the market forces, it's the over 30s, it's the Nick versus Tom pick and dad watch. Uh, The first thing, Nick, is the market forces. As a man across numbers, what's going on this week? So yeah, it's it's a triad of uh, foxes that are actually uh, dominating the market forces after sort of another standout performance for for Brendan Rogers' boys. And uh, yeah, it's Safadi leading the line, 252 thousand transfers in right now just more and more owners as, as you put it so i'm just piling in seeing that overall ownership increase and increase so i think um yeah i will be joining that party i might be a little bit late to it but uh, yeah i think i will be getting him in too um but it's madison as well my man um the second most transferred in uh, this game week um so he's uh, he's got sort of a uh, 
899 in terms of FPL returns. He might actually um, be a threat in terms of breaking that sort of uh, Manchester City Liverpool um, foursome at the uh, top of the midfielders charts. Actually, with he's only five points behind Sterling now, so a lot of people started to take note of James Madison. He's having a storm of a season quite quietly, and uh, he's had his England call up now as well. Um, yeah, looking really good. Very dangerous on set pieces from free kicks, as, as we've all seen from watching the games. Uh, but the third uh, Leicester is uh, your man Lord Farquhar, Tom. Um, getting um, those bonus points last game week, getting a goal a week before and a couple of clean sheets. Um, very, very cheap asset as well. It was the cheapest route into that Leicester defence. Uh, so, yeah, definitely um, a lot of people are taking note of, note of him as well and bringing him in. So... Uh, yeah, I have all three by the end of this game week, it seems. Yeah, not not surprising um, at all. Oh, we've got some questions on this later on. Uh, also not surprising is uh, fourth and fifth. Um, people may be looking at uh, Pulisic now after he's been flagged and thinking he's an American idiot, but he nonetheless has been brought in by almost 100,000 managers uh, after yet another great performance. A goal, uh, eight points uh, against Crystal Palace. Um, but yeah, that, that his uh, kind of star was kick-started by that 20-pointer in game week 10 against Burnley. And rounding off, Tammy Abraham is still being bought. Um, he's fifth at the moment for transfers in. 84,000 managers have bought him at the time of recording. That's pretty crazy, isn't it, Nick? I, I can't remember the point where you've got a player who's 50% owned who's still being bought. I just wonder who doesn't own him now. Um, it must be all, like, all of the live teams must have him. Like, there's well, there's a, yeah. a basket case elsewhere, but well, surely not. Well, I mean, it's, it's probably some of those people that are selling Timu Puki and he's had uh, seven blanks in a row now. So might be a few of those people that they said they were going to lay their beds, lay in their beds and line it. Now thinking actually Puki, I've had so much sunk cost, but seven, seven blanks in a row is enough for me. Uh, get get him out of my team and uh, yeah, uh, get Tammy in instead. So uh, I think maybe that's the case with um, with Abraham, the players that are, don't have him. Everyone's saying good riddance finally to Timu. Uh, but um, also being sold is uh, the goalkeeper Edison. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about him briefly in Dad Watch as well. But Edison, the second most transferred out player right now, 145,000 um, transfers out. Uh, Mount as well, also um, getting a few sales. And Sterling as well, also getting a few sales. Um, Obviously, a lot of people looking at how to, to fund Vardy, thinking of your team, you think, how can I get Vardy? How can I get Mane? How can I get De Bruyne? How can I get Sterling in my team? And, and the reality is that it's very, very hard to, um, to have all four unless you have to play uh, Cousin Todd week in, week out. So, uh, yeah, a few people selling Sterling as well. Yeah, certain teams are like teams are reshaping, as we said last week with Luke, and it looks like uh, either a three-four-three or a three-five-two is in vogue. Like, I'm still surprised to see that Jim uh, Jimenez is still riding comparatively under that radar. I expect him after two goals to be uh, uh, to be doing very, very well. But you know, just, yeah, yeah, he's flagged. But I mean, I just don't. I don't know. I'm surprised that he's not really. He's not in the top five at least. I think he's a. Uh, yeah, he's not even in the top 10. That's, that's absolutely mad. He's only been brought in by 45,000 managers, and long may that continue. Um, yeah, um, after two goals, I'd be expecting that to happen, but I think Vardy's just obscured his star so, so much, like him and uh, Abraham. But um, yeah, that's might be what's going on. Also, you've got you know, the fear of the Europa League and all this sort of thing. Yeah, there you go. Moving on to the other 30 stand, it was a, it was a good week for them. Um, they got, well, they didn't do as well as uh, you, you or I did. They got 61 points, but Captain Vardy came through with a goal and assist for the 24. Um, 
at the back, Schmeichel, uh, Johnny Evans, the Leicester defensive double up did very, very well. Craig Cathcart, uh, last year's All England team hero uh, with a clean sheet. Uh, in midfield, uh, Jaume Moutinho with an assist and uh, William uh, also uh, with an assist and two bonus. Uh, but the likes of Aubameyang, Aguero, Yarmolenko really let them down. And the no-shows for Azpilicueta and David Silva I mean that the squad's looking a little bit light. And they're just inside the top million now, uh, 921k. A few changes may need to be made, but two free transfers, so a lot to do. And plus, a lot of these guys, lot of these guys are too old to be playing in South football anyway. So, uh, they're sort of going to have a nice rest uh, so we can reassess after uh, after the national break. Uh, the next thing is a Nick pick versus a Tom pick. Uh, last week, you chose Nathan Ake, Nick, and he got one point. I. Yeah, I chose uh, Dwight McNeil, and he got an assist, so he got six. Uh, I actually, he and Chris Wood scored pretty much the same goal twice, and uh, so I thought that it, was, it was a mistake when I saw that it come up again. But yeah, no, it, it could have been two assists for McNeil, was uh, very marginal, but he, he was really good in that game, McNeil. There was one particular, what the cross for Wood was absolutely sumptuous. Uh, so who have you chosen this week? I've gone for Richarlison, actually. Um, so basically it's just like picking um, who's playing Norwich week in week out now I feel like Norwich are definitely one of those teams that you want to be targeting for, for the rest of the season they just look absolutely shot and um, Everton haven't had a great season but I feel like that home match against Norwich is plum for them and Richarlison's actually been the standout star really for um, Everton he's another sort of EPO asset that's been flying under the radar a little bit but we were talking about him um, with um, at lunch with uh, Goops and uh, Sean Deathstar and uh, he's, yeah, he's actually been doing pretty well in terms of his performances and when who he's returning points against in terms of being sort of more of a flat track bully so he's returned against the likes of Wolves and Bournemouth and West Ham and Brighton and Southampton so far this season and, and Norwich looks like the perfect game for Richard and to, to get some more returns. I mean, in terms of goal attempts, he's sort of sick for all midfielders. Um, you know, he's doing he's doing all right. You know, he's not tearing up trees, but, you know, you would fancy him to perhaps even get a brace in that game. Yeah, no, that certainly makes sense. I think if I'd have uh, not bought Vardy and stuck with uh, Sterling, I may have considered kind of doing some sort of jiggery pokery now to move uh, Sterling to Richarlison to get Vardy in. But as it stands, I'm, I'm fairly happy with Tielemans because of uh, Everton's upcoming absolute horror show in December. They've got a really horrendous run uh, where they play uh, all of the top four, I think it is, uh, in, in quick succession. Well, yeah, so from game week 14 to 18, they play Leicester, Liverpool, Chelsea, Man United, and Arsenal. Okay, Arsenal was an easy game. Uh, but the rest of that is is pretty shocking, isn't it? Or, yeah, uh, get off get off Everton straight away. Yeah, but a good pick. Uh, my pick this week is uh, is Hector Bellerin. Um, we've got um, where you have been targeting Norwich. I'm going to target uh, Southampton. Uh, Bellerin's back. He's fit. He played a full 90 minutes in the 2-0 loss to Leicester. Um, he, he's averaged five assists uh, every season um, over the last four seasons. And uh, oh, yeah, back to open his account a little bit off, uh, um, against uh, Southampton, who are still flailing. Uh, but if there's, any, if there's any team to recover against, I suppose it's Arsenal. Uh, but yeah, the, the uh, famous uh, vegan fashionista is my pick this week. And finally, Nick, Dab Watch. Do I even want to know? 
So yeah, um, this is our section where we we talk about my dad and how well he's doing at FPO, even though he's never played before. And uh, yeah, um, it was an alright week for him. He did okay, I guess, but he's uh, he's a little bit disappointed. He was texting me this um, this evening, um, thinking about um, moves to make. Because actually, Tom, he, he wild carded last game week, and he, he wild carded with about half an hour to go before the oh, deadline. It's a rookie, um, Yeah, it was, it was a bit stressed out because um, Edison was injured. And he also brought in the wrong Mook because he put it because he uh, he brought in McTominay rather than McGinn, who was the one. <laughs> so um, and McTominay actually returned and McGinn didn't, so that that punished him a little bit. But um, he he got Ramsdale in in goal as well as the Edison replacement, who who picked up four points for him. So yeah, six sixty points for him this uh, game week on, on the wild card. Um, it was it was pretty uh, nothing week because he said so. Vardy bailed him out of jail again with his uh, 24-point return. So, small red arrow down to uh, the 38k. So, you know, still bossing it in terms of overall rank, but not not his not his best week. Um, I know he's um, thinking about a Salah Mane double up actually, which could could be very effective in the in the coming game weeks. Oh, could well be revolutionary. How many points is he on? Yeah, he's on uh, 718 points right now. Oh man, that's pretty woeful. How many more points? Oh god, that's a lot more points than I have. God, I have to hope we catch him up over time. All right, let's take a break of a neck and move on to the questions. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back, and it's uh, time to catch up with the who got the assist mini league. And there's a a new leader at the top, and that's a uh, Rui de Oliveira with CP Warriors. Um, he got 76 points this game week. Uh, really nice score. He's overall ranks now 70th in the world, so doing fantastically well. Actually, has a um, Anthony Martial in his team with a 10 pointer, a little bit of a differential there, um, helping him out alongside the. Uh, the Vaj, um, <laughs> AJ, uh, Vardy, Jimenez, um, and Abraham, all returning from Vardy captain as well. And uh, yeah, you talk about sort of the template, but, and we've also talked about compound differentials and owning, at least um, probably not now, but at one point owning these three was only 2.2% of the uh, total population of managers. So that's been really effective uh, for him. Also Matt Ryan in goal, getting him a seven-pointer, and then Ben Chilwell with a clean sheet Mane also doing the business for him so really good score there uh, but not far behind is uh, Kieran Screeton who also had a really good score of 81 points only 7 points behind Rui um, Declan Kelly also having a great game week 77 points um, in third and uh, uh, Mustafa Kamal with the winner team um, dropping unfortunately he's had a poorer game week uh, with only 54 points, so he's dropped to fourth, um, the previous uh, leader in the mini league. Um, in fifth is uh, Christina Hagsef with uh, Tan Tabasa. Um, Declan Rin has dropped down to sixth with the Wesley Crushers. Antarek uh, Chatterjee in seventh, Mohamed Al Bazari in eighth, FPL Lewis in ninth, and Ron Manager, Numeruno in tenth with a 75 pointer. So, uh, so well done, Ron, there. Yeah, thanks, Nick. Uh, well done, everyone. Uh, just one thing to mention this week. Uh, so on the 13th of December, uh, it's the Christmas party uh, in London uh, with Fancy Football Hub. That's the Marlebone Sports Bar and Grill from 6pm. Uh, lots and lots of people are coming. You don't have to tell me if you are. Just show up. Hopefully, we can uh, do a big FPL pub takeover. But yeah, it should be a great event. So yeah, definitely put that in your diary and try to uh, negotiate brownie points with your other halves as applicable. All right, let's move on to the questions then. Uh, the first is all about the city. Uh, yeah, our city, the Dispensable. It definitely seems to be a hot topic of conversation in the community. What we're going to do with these players? Um, so FPL Keza asks: Are Man City players no longer essential? And FPL Goops asks: 
you know, should we just go without City altogether? Uh, elsewhere, though, you know, Daryl B says, you know, KDB and Sterling looks really good, actually, versus Liverpool without scoring. So are we being too hasty in, de- in dumping them for Paul? And the Kazza are similar, he inquires. Can they bounce back? So Man City, Nick, what are your thoughts on them at the moment? Are you, you are looking to sell Sterling, aren't you? So I guess you're kind of coming on board with me in the uh, detractor territory. Yeah, I'm considering it. I mean, that 8-0 drubbing of Watford does feel like quite a long time ago now. And, you know, they haven't been at their best, if we're going to be honest. And even in the Champions League, their their performances haven't been uh, too fantastic. So, yeah, you know, previously we've looked at those City players having the time of their lives. But now, right now, it's kind of like... Stuff, especially after that loss against Liverpool, you start to look at their fixtures. You think Chelsea up next? Are they going to struggle there? And you don't necessarily see them scoring lots of goals in that game, and they certainly can't keep a clean sheet either, can they? So, you know, in terms of the City assets, Aguero, the forwards, you, you can't really look at because you know you never know whether it's going to be Aguero or whether um, Jesus or Suburbia is going to be getting a run out as well. So, it's obviously so kind of like you look at the assets; it's only really Sterling and. Um, to point that could be trusted and they are very expensive so I think you could potentially even just go go with just one of them and you know, I'd be very wary of uh, Goops' suggestion to go without City altogether we've, we know we've, we recognise them as a fast um, a fantastic team you know in terms of the team stats they're always top of the charts in terms of goal attempts etc and uh, yeah it could be a risky strategy um, to go without them altogether but it certainly feels like a period of time where you've actually think actually I could be loading up on Liverpool, Leicester, and Chelsea players, and um, and you know doing do very very well right now, having ignored City altogether for the last few game, game weeks. Yeah, definitely. Thus far, for people who captain say Sterling the last two game weeks, has been a case of waking up when November ends. But I mean, really, they've got the next five. I, I know we're looking at them and thinking, yeah, that you know we want to get rid of them because they're, they're not that good. The fixtures aren't that good, but they're not terrible, are they? Chelsea um, not exactly been the tightest, uh, especially away from home. Newcastle and Burnley away, all right, not not particularly sexy, but you can imagine City winning winning them two or three nil. Uh, the home against Man United and away against Arsenal, like none of those games. In in none of those games do I see Matis not scoring goals. It's just a case of allocating those resources where they're needed. And as you mentioned earlier, Nick Vardy's run is pretty good at the same time. Could well be a captain pick against Bryson this week. We'll talk about that later on. Everton and Watford at home, Aston Villa away and Norwich at home. So it's a case of just kind of weighing it up and kind of thinking, well, all right, if I don't have a Man City player, then does a player I bring in do better? And I think that at the moment it's probably worth, uh, if you can, cutting the fat a little bit. I, I don't think, uh, same as you, that, we should be really, really going without altogether. But I guess that kind of brings us to Daryl, uh, uh, to Daryl B's question about uh, being too hasty and dumping them. And almost as you said a minute ago, like which one would you choose? Then are you, you are choosing KDB. It sounds like with me, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, for, for me, I'm decided, decided to keep KDB. And this weekend, he could have got six assists. I think in that Manchester game, I counted there were two dead ball deliveries. Uh, that ball uh, around the corner to Angelino. Uh, another double delivery um, and also when Aguero kicked air so uh, five uh, t- five assists he could have got another day Central City's team I got him in the 9.5 I'm not captain him then do I want to spend that money on Sterling like no, arguably mine doesn't mean that much uh, at the moment so maybe I could have kept Sterling and just kind of held him but I don't know it just felt like with KDB I had that kind of I've got that money tied up in him I didn't really want to sell him because I thought well I might well buy him back in the future 
Yeah, so I, th- I think it's KDB for me because I'm not going to captain the, that player, so I might as well carry the cheaper asset. I don't know if that actually stands up quantitatively, but that's kind of how I think about it. Um, what's driving you to get rid of Sterling? Is it money? Do you need to do you need that cash to buy Vardy? No, I don't need the cash, actually. I could certainly just um, sell KDB. I am thinking in the long run. I think the finances are a big element of it. Um, for instance, I'm kind of um, fancying the idea of Andrew Robertson again and going for the Liverpool double-up, even though they've only managed two clean sheets all season. I feel like, you know, they're gonna, those clean sheets are going to come and those guys just keep getting attacking returns, both Robbo and CAA. They've got their own little competition um going on to get the, the most assists and uh, you know I kind of want to get back on that Robbo bandwagon but I can't do that if I sell KDB because I'm not going to have the funds but if I sell Sterling I could actually turn Rico into Robertson which is it's quite um, an attractive uh, prospect in the idea of um, tripling up though of course um, I am wary of um, that December game week where they've got the blank of course which um, we'll probably be talking about more in the coming weeks but you know I think definitely um, after that after that performance and not just that performance but looking at Liverpool's fixtures now they've got their Manchester City um, game out the way they've got a really nice round of five fixtures coming up and I think you know Robbo could perhaps um, they're going to get some clean sheets for sure and you know Robbo and TAA really might start to dominate I actually thought about um, this seems a bit crazy but I actually thought about TAA even as a captain choice uh, this game week this game week? Against Chris against Palace, right? Just yeah. uh, hoping for a clean sheet and assist. Yeah, it could be eleven, you know, eleven points somewhere. That could be, could be fairly decent. I mean, you've uh, organically moved us on actually to uh, which Liverpool, which is another question. Because obviously, if we are selling uh, Man City assets, who are you buying in? Uh, so Hobbs three one zero three asks, uh, do we favour Salah and Mane and defender? Looks seems to be where your dad's going, uh, or two defenders plus Mane uh, or Salah. Um, you know, lots of other people have asked about Liverpool too. So Adam Hooper asks, you know, Salah or Mane if we had to pick one. Um, referring to what we were talking about a second ago in terms of selling Sterling, uh, Vardy Boys asked if we'd sell him for Salah. And that Late Riser asks if it's, if it's time to move from no FOMO uh, to pro FOMO with a buy for the Egyptian king. So quite a lot there at the moment. Let's take the combination first. I think I'm I'm with you that I, would pref- I instinctively prefer going with Robertson there um, over going Salah. Um, but I think that that Salah... Um, a Salah and Mane sort of combination does sound quite nice, doesn't it? It's going to be a huge differential, a huge kind of compound differential sword to have the two of them together, right? Yeah, for sure. I think it sounds like quite an exciting double up to have Salah and Mane. It almost seems radical. I don't think I've ever done it before. And, you know, it does sound like quite an appetizing prospect to, to have both those sort of attacking midfielders at the top of their game. Um, in your team, just bossing it. But, you know, it is a little bit of a risky one as well. Uh, you know, and going without Manchester City, as we said already on the pod, um, on the pod uh, could be a bit of a gamble. But I did see a very interesting tweet from um, Neil Murray earlier, a popular tweet about double defence and, and double attack. And as, as usual, when it comes to sort of defence, uh, me and Neil are in agreement in terms of the, the overall value. It, it's much better to go with the uh, sort of the Robertson and TAA because of the... Um, because of the amount of money that it gives you and affords you for the for the rest of your team, so um, I think certainly right now I'm I'm considering probably a double up, and obviously I want Jamie Vardy, and Jamie Vardy's key for me right now. Mo Salah doesn't feel like he's key. I feel like um, you know he's he's been relatively lucky. I think Mane's been the one to to own in in the most recent game weeks. 
Yeah, certainly. I, I think with Robbo and TAA, like, just don't think of them as defenders. Yeah, they happen to be defenders, but they're basically the, the Liverpool number 10s. They're the playmakers for Liverpool. So I think getting a Liverpool, the Liverpool's key creators for 7 million, that makes your spider sense of twitch, doesn't it? Like, I'm sure many people are going to come around to it. It's just a case of, uh, yeah, I'm hoping that double up kind of works out. Um, I, I don't... Between Mane and Salah, I, I'm, I do like Mane a lot. I just think he, um, although Salah's going to trounce him in the stats, I think that Mane just has that ability to finish and all, all kinds of finishes, the, the powerful angle drive uh, all the way through to the, head, to the header um, as he scored this weekend. And he just looks like the clutch player right now, as I said in the past, and, and long may that continue. I may not caption him against Palace. I might go to Vardy, but he's definitely one I'm happy to have him. Um, and it looks like they're kind of coming together. I, mean, that's, I think that answers Adam's question about Salah versus Mane. Is it the same for you, Nick? I know you've got a deep-seated love for Salah. I think at the moment I'm I'm quite happy backing Mane. I, I wouldn't ever do a sideways move. You know, normally I'll, I'll stick with the one and I'll own him for the rest of the season. Um, it became a matter of price with Mane and form um, as to why I changed it up on my wild card. And, and you know, he, he's done he's done the business. He's outscored um, Salah in the last few game weeks as well. I'm, I'm certainly not going to change it this particular moment in time. Cool. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. <laughs> so I probably, uh, even though I can understand why you get the double up, I think mean, that's a really interesting sword. It's a it's a hefty amount of investment. Keeps a spot open if you want to just do a simple swap to Sterling rather than having to do two free transfers. They do have a good run. And I think one of my pet theories is that Pep Guardiola is all about the Champions League, needs to win it. And Klopp's all about the league, needs to win it. I think that that's going to really help FPL managers this year. Uh, apart from that blank, uh, Liverpool do have uh, yeah that that kind of ruthless consistency, don't they? That means a triple up looks like a very, very sound idea. Oh, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm a little interested in that now. I'll have to think about it a bit more and see if I can make that fit. But that could be a, a really potent differential, especially like you know, when everyone's going to be captaining Mane, you put the captain skill on Salah, but own Mane. If on those weeks where... Salah outscores Mane you're going to be quids in aren't you hmm, very interesting alright um, next question to the triple triple uh, again Liverpool are involved uh, so we're not going to speak about them again but Zod asks is it time to triple on Chelsea Leicester and Liverpool and at the expense of Man City shockingly enough and to keep the, the chat about Chelsea and Leicester for the, for the time being um, one thing as I mentioned a little bit in last week's pod too I think I've observed about this season is that We've seen divergence between price and value a lot earlier than I think we have in previous seasons. Like the last time this happened, 2015 16, Spurs and Leicester, this time around, Chelsea and Leicester, both provide you assets who are basically performing at a premium level for a non premium price. Absolutely excellent. Yeah, of course you should be. Um, obviously, it means that there's going to be little room for differentiation. So a few places it might be interesting. So, for example, you've gone with Madison. I've gone with Tielemans, hoping for a little bit of a differential there. Um, I've kept you on tube. If I was buying in a Leicester defender, I'd probably be looking at uh, Chilwell or Pereira to differentiate myself, even though they're a little bit more expensive. And, I don't know, Chelsea as well with Mason Mount, very highly owned, a further the game owning. Maybe you'd be looking at, I don't know, William or Pulisic now. Um uh, we've spoken about them a little bit with uh, with Luke last week. They are the, the spine of our, our size. Um, but where do you think the opportunity is going to be if we're all going to be buying in these kinds of teams? 
Yeah, I think it, it's it's uh, challenging to, to find that opportunity, isn't it? Um, obviously, I've, I've been tripled up with uh, Chelsea for a while now, actually. Sort of the Tamori, 4.5 million defender, Mason Mount, um, Abraham Axis, and uh, yeah, going to be tripled up on Leicester too. So certainly, you know, and possibly even Liverpool. So certainly, um, you know, the, the triple-triple is, um, you know, something that I, I would recommend just because of the form that these particular teams are in compared to some of the other teams like Spurs, Arsenal, with, you know, the more expensive assets that are just absolutely rubbish this season. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I definitely think there's, you look at those teams and you think, okay, Mountain is heavily owned, but Pulisic is the one that's just really bossing it. So if I was to pick one right now, I'd be looking at Pulisic thinking, actually, this guy's just got uh, five goals in, in three games now. Um, and this just looks brilliant, you know. He's he's made that slot his. He's kicked out Hudson Adoy from the starting eleven. Who I know a few people were that see that's this sort of that's kind of the failed attempt of trying to differentiate from Mount at the time was Hudson Adoy, and sadly it didn't quite work out for him. With sort of these one pointers from the last few game weeks, there really punished a few of the owners that went for him. So um, you know that that is the risk of trying to go for the differentials. And you know with Tamori, you could say now that. You know, perhaps um, you, you could even pick out someone like Kurt Zuma and say, you know what, well, like I know your cousin has Tom, you know, um, Kurt Zuma perhaps could be the differential. He's actually now cheaper than Tamori, to be honest. So, which is a bit of a surprise. Uh, Zuma being four, uh, 5 million at the start of the season, now being 4.7, and Tamori going up from 4.5 to 4.8. So, you know, a little bit of a uh, slightly different pick there, perhaps. But you certainly can um, find these players, and you mentioned the Leicester defenders as well. Um, Chilwell and Pereira, you know, these attacking fullbacks, very exciting to watch, very reminiscent of um, the Liverpool attacking fullbacks, but um, slightly cheaper, also doing very, very well. Yeah, and I guess the, the, the case needs to be made, doesn't it? That if you could get, as you said a minute ago, a player from these expensive teams, like if you get an Aubameyang, you can get a, a Kane, you can get a Son. Why would you, if you can get a Chelsea or a Leicester def- a midfielder or a, or a striker at the moment? There just seems to be a bit of a, a bit of no brain to go that way. Follow the value. I think it's just a case of making sure that you, uh, you you do have a calculated gamble or two in there. As I mentioned, I've got two demands. Maybe what is worth you looking a little bit elsewhere. But uh, we've got three million in the bank at the moment. I do at least. How long? How much will you have in the bank if you do your? Well, at the moment, moment, I've already got a million anyway. So, yeah. yeah, I probably still have something in the bank. Depends who I sell. I think it's um, it is it's it's already reached the point of the season where it looks like this could be a season where money doesn't actually matter, where TV doesn't actually matter, because of the fact that Chelsea and Leicester can really help you out. Um, which is a really good thing um, because it means that you can fit in a, a really nice kind of group of players and not be too and never really be too constrained. Like in past seasons, we've seen that obviously team value really mattered and you want to be fitting in as many premiums as possible. But with two teams who are in the upper echelons fighting out very, very well, you've got all those sorts of ways to, to mean that you don't really need to be kind of spending all of your budget now. Um, I mean, you've got. No, obviously the likes of Lindstrom as well, kind of helping out there. You've got uh, Rico as well, your man, uh, doing a job. But I think it's an interesting season because it's so reminiscent to me already of the 2015-16 season, or not only because Vardy's scoring lots of goals, but because of the fact that we're kind of liberated from worrying about TV a little bit. Like That also probably means that we shouldn't be too worried about losing losing falls uh, and catching rises. We can kind of 
happily relax and look to maximize the information, i.e. only make moves after press conference at the moment. So I just don't think we need the money, do we, Nick? I think we're uh, kind of sitting pretty and able to kind of adopt a more patient strategy. It's just how you kind of make decisions within that strategy that makes sense. So I don't think we should be chasing the money this season by, by the looks of things. Like, do you agree with that? Or do you think I'm wide no, no, I would say certainly this season it does feel like, you know, uh, there's there's plenty of value in in, in the uh, cheaper end of the market, like those defenders. You know, the teams like Sheffield United, um, with all these sort of defenders that are flying really under the radar. You know, the likes of Ender Stevens as well, doing doing very very well for the um, Sheffield United. I think he he would have got another assist had it not been um, chalked off as well. So. Uh, you know, I definitely feel like this season there's, there's been plenty of bargains out there. You know, the premium players, the Canes, the Aubameyangs, even the likes of Christian Eriksen and Nicolas Pepe. You know, just, just not being any value for money at all, just being absolutely rubbish for what they what you have to pay for them. And, you know, so there's plenty of money, uh, plenty of value at the cheaper end of the market. So the budget really hasn't... Um, you know, had too much of an impact. Of course, we still want to make a few decisions. You know, can't own Sterling, De Bruyne, and and Vardy in, in many cases, as I said, um, and uh, Salah and Mane. Of course, you know, you can't go full five, but um, you know, so there's sometimes value does have a little bit of an impact, but certainly it's it's not had the impact that it's had in um, previous seasons. Yeah, with price you mean rather than value, yeah. Price, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, I think we definitely also got a bit of a benefit from the fact that FPL. Uh, hedge their bets didn't they 7 million for Tammy Giroud and Batshuayi 6 million for Mount yeah we've definitely uh, been throwing a bone as FSJ with Billet there and uh, speaking of uh, one of these teams who uh, is a little bit overpriced at the moment it's Mighty Arsenal for the final question this week uh, Arsenal in from the cold uh, Andy Fancy Guide FPL and Silent Bats ask if Arsenal is of interest to us with the next few fixtures looking good uh, and Good, they indeed do look. Uh, They've got Southampton and Norwich uh, in the next two, uh, followed by Brighton and West Ham. So a nice four fixtures for Arsenal there. You can imagine that, uh, you know, if if you did buy Aubameyang, captured him for those games, and he he, it does come off. um, He'd really that that could uh, really rocket you up the ranks, I suppose. Provided, of course, that other alternatives aren't uh, outscoring him. He's owned by uh, yeah twenty five percent still somehow. I don't know who these players are who own Aubameyang still, but twenty five percent. Do you have an interest in Arsenal over these few fixtures, Nick? Well, it's it's funny you said that about Aubameyang because he was actually the fifth. I don't think you mentioned him, but he was the fifth most transferred out player um, in the market forces, and um, he he actually went the uh, the first uh, seven game weeks of the season, um, returned in every single FPL game week, and he never really got on the radars too heavily just because of the price, as we, we talked about in that extensive section earlier. But you know, certainly looking at those fixtures, you actually think I think Aubameyang actually banned during those game weeks, and he certainly has the potential. I mean, Arsenal team like a little bit of a team, a little bit bereft of form, um, especially after that sort of, um, you know, damaging performance against uh, Leicester uh, this game week. And they don't necessarily look like they're, they're very cohesive. Looks like the manager might be on his way out potentially. But, you know, it's just, you know, looking at those games, you think, all right, this is, this is a fantastic opportunity to turn it around. And, uh, yeah, I can see why, um, well, it doesn't seem like people are going for it, but, you know, I could certainly see why uh, people would start to consider, you know, the Arsenal um, 
the Arsenal players perhaps um, as, as a, a cheeky differential. You know, we talked about the template and Chelsea and the Leicester players, but you know, if you want to try and get ahead or go for something slightly different, then, then why not? Um, you know, bank and, and take a gamble on an Arsenal player, and I think probably Aubameyang's probably the main guy. But I know you mentioned um, the likes of Bellerin as well. Um, Perhaps a, a little bit of differential and defender, even though he's also quite expensive at five point four million. No, I've got I've got Mendy to get rid of, so maybe I could go there. But I don't know. I mean, we just look a bit like Spurs. Like I just don't. I just don't have any interest in a club in, a club in crisis. And as I mentioned earlier on, because the value's looking so good for the likes of Chelsea and Leicester players, why would I get an Arsenal player in? Of course, I'm probably going to be proven wrong. And Aubameyang's going to outscore Vardy next week, but. It's it's not really something that I'm too interested in. Like it feels like one I can just kind of happily avoid the whole uh, the whole season, and it kind of helps me psychologically to avoid Arsenal anyway because they are you know capable of dropping several dookies on my season if I double them up in the terms of my FPL team and also supporting them. Um, the fixes are good. But it reminds me almost of, you know, Chelsea when they were in crisis mode and owning Hazard, Nick, like, as you did that one season when you held him and held him and held him and didn't do anything because the team wasn't performing very well. It feels like that, that could very well happen with uh, with Arsenal and to a lesser extent with Spurs as well. Spurs have got West Ham, Bournemouth, Man United and Burnley. I, I just, I don't know, like, with the options that the Chelsea players and the Leicester players give you, like, I, I just don't see why you would. So... Obviously, some people are going to think, well, that that's obviously the the opportunity to get to to make points. It's just the team's not performing, so mm, oh, I, don't, I don't know. But you can definitely find a way to to make that work um, with Aubameyang as a huge differential or something. I just, oh, I just can't get close to Arsenal. I don't think at the moment. Don't even fancy a cheeky uh, Callum Chambers punt at 4.4 million. <laughs> Callum Chambers is going to blow your mind. Uh, no, definitely not. Uh, you might as well, I might as well just buy Socrates or something like that. That, uh, that sort of level, I think. Oh, God, imagine buying Socrates for your FPL team. Right, okay, speaking of which, let's move on to the transfers and captains. Uh, and, uh, yeah, obviously we've got a couple of weeks. Uh, we're not going to be recording next week just because we're going to take a bit of a break again. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I know you've got uh, Vardy in mind, Nick. I know you're looking at selling Sterling to bring him in. Talk us through that uh, that kind of move and what your early thoughts are with the captaincy. So, yeah, I've, I've got a little bit of money in the bank, so I'm not in a rush to make my moves, actually. Um, but yeah, Vardy will probably be the guy that that comes in uh, for me, um, replacing Akon in in the forward line. Um, so Aaron Connolly will be out, and, and Vardy will come in in midfield. I think if it's De Bruyne, I've actually got six million to play with, which is um, a bit of an awkward uh, price point to be honest. In terms of the midfielders, there's, there's no one particularly appetising at, at that price. So I might I might even just go for someone like Isaac Hayden and just plump him on the bench and then use that money um, to uh, upgrade one of my defenders to Robertson in a later in a later game week because I've been struggling with my bench anyway for the past few game weeks and I'll probably um, yeah so I'll probably just get someone in who can just be fodder. Because I, I, I think I need someone who's fodder after getting bench, so many bench points for the last few game weeks. Yeah, uh, I think, and that will be sort of the Aaron Connolly replacement anyway. Um, if I make that move and sort of pivot more to a sort of a three-four-three type lineup, so that'll probably be the guy who comes in, and then I'll just have, as I said, we talked about money in the bank, um, have a bit of extra money in the bank again. So um, captains. As I said, I mean, I'm thinking you could go a differential. I think maybe Trent. I did have it on Mane. Probably Trent or Mane would be the picks. Maybe even Vardy if he comes in. But 
I'm not a big fan of uh, bringing in a player and instantly giving him the armband as I did with Callum Wilson. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm not going to make that mistake again. I think um, it probably will be um, either Mane or Trent. That's my yeah. yeah, it makes sense. I think um, the default uh, to Mane or Salah is going to be seen uh, this week. Really interesting if we do go Trent. It would be a very, very uh, novel occasion if uh, you capture the defender. Uh, ben Gibson times again. Yeah. <laughs> What did he do? He didn't play one game and then got 15 points in the other yeah, game? It was a double game week. Um, but I think he got 15 points overall from an 8 and a 7, actually. So he got a double clean sheet, which is pretty decent. The other time a captain's defender was Shane Duffy, and they said about that, the better. Yeah, FPL stag. Um, yeah, okay, cool. Um, I have a decent team, and I do want to get Robertson in, but equally it doesn't feel particularly pressing for this week coming. Um, I've got Soyonchu, who I really, really should give a run out to, right? I mean, he's got 11 points per game for me over the last two. I really should give him a game. Mm-hmm. I have a Ben Mendy shape problem, uh, but that Ben Mendy shape problem can sit on the bench next week, or maybe we'll even play again. I, I'm determined to get something out of Mendy before I do sell him on, but the lad's just not fit is he uh, so he's, he's got to go and he's a lateral kind of sale to Robertson but I've just got so much money as well I could do I've got three million I'm, I've, I feel like Jossie like, I, just, I can do whatever I want uh, I don't know what to do with it at the moment so maybe it's the case that I do just roll it next week and do just kind of see what happens I haven't had two FTs for a while because I've just been hitting my way uh, to success it seems I haven't got anything to do with a hit this week um, so yeah I, I might just leave it um, I, I don't know yet we'll, we'll see maybe there'll be an international break injury which will uh, completely reset the dial on that thinking and I think I will be captain Vardy actually um, I, I'm, I'm glad to hear you're not because that gives me even more opportunity to, to catch up with you um, but you know, Lewis Dunk is suspended um, for, uh, for for that game uh, he's reached five yellow cards and Adam Webster's out injured for quite a while so it'll be a makeshift Bryson defence a leaky blight in defence against uh, the most potent goal scorer in the league uh, so yeah I think I'll be going with Vardy um, uh, we'll, we'll see maybe I can be tempted on Tamane but for now, it just seems like quite a solid idea just to stick on stick on the four man and see what happens. So it's the same as no captaining Mo Salah in, in years past. He's been scoring. Yeah, they've been good fixtures everywhere else, but stick on the guy in form. Why not? Yeah, fair play. Um, so yeah, thanks for listening all. Just to say who we are, we are who got the assist. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL WGTA underscore Nick. And make sure to listen and subscribe. Um, and if you want to join the league, the league code is EIKX03. <laughs> Yep, there's a theme every week. Last week with Luke Jerdy, it was some 41. We'll be back after the international break. We're going to have a nice, well-earned uh, international break for ourselves now. And we'll speak to you again after Game Week 13's uh, festivities. But in the meantime, hope to assist you and we'll speak to you very, very soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.